thank you for joining me for quite excellent episode number 75. Hopefully, everyone had an enjoyable holiday season. Our first poem to start the new year is Lovely, one of a pair of poems by Ada Limon. Her collection Bright Dead Things is in my library and I recommend it highly. Today's poem, titled What I Didn't Know Before, was published in her follow-up collection The Carrying. I really like the way that it talks about things that are both ordinary and kind of miraculous. I hope I have students who are fortunate enough to relate to aspects of this poem. But before we get to our next poem, we must first revisit Young Poets by Nikono Para, translated by Miller Williams. Young Poets by Nikonor Para, translated by Miller Williams. Write as you will, in whatever style you like. Too much blood has run under the bridge to go on believing that only one road is right. In poetry, everything is permitted. With only this condition, of course. You have to improve the blank page. I am unsurprised to find that there are once again wonderful, insightful comments by my students. The responses to this poem were delightful. And I think a great place to start, then, is the way that students associated this poem and the ideas of this poem with joy. In their response, one student wrote that poetry allows you to express yourself and have fun with your writing. And another said that the poem shows people that writing is meant to be fun in a way to express yourself. Pada says, write as you will in whatever style you like in the first stanza to tell us that when you write, you are meant to write what you want, how you want to, and not meant to write because you are told to, but because you are supposed to feel joy when you do the things you do. And joy was not the only emotional effect that was connected with the implied audience of this poem. One student wrote, and I agree, that this is a, quote, soothing poem. Another says that Para is inspiring the audience to stray from cliche and basic poetry and use poetry and literature to its fullest, saying that, quote, in poetry, everything is permitted. Another writes, the first stanzas give a sense of motivation, but the last stanza creates a sense of discouragement, since everything can't possibly be permitted if there is a condition. However, this discouragement is short-lived, since Para follows up by saying that the condition is that you have to improve the blank page. This makes the readers more optimistic again, since the only condition is incredibly easy to do, as what is written simply has to be superior to nothing. Para gives inspiration that responds to that discouragement, which enhances the enthusiasm young poets had at first. And this journey of emotion, I think, is great. I really like the way that this student has identified the way that the poem does kind of play with the mood of the poem. Now, a central idea here related to that also is that there is an encouragement in this poem, in the writing of poetry. One student writes that poets shouldn't have to follow any rules necessarily, as long as they, quote, improve the blank page by writing what they want to write. Improving a blank page could mean many things, like origami. But I think Para is trying to convey that only by expressing creative freedom could a piece of paper truly be improved, which is a delightful sentiment. Another writes that Nicanor Prada's poem, Young Poets, encourages and empowers the reader to write poetry 
One example is the use of a broken stanza to achieve this when the poem says, In poetry everything is permitted, with only this condition of improving the blank page. The stanza break there causes the reader to feel like they can do anything with the poetry they will write. Another along this line says that when Pardo states, in poetry everything is permitted, but you have to improve upon the blank page, Pardo doesn't want to limit young writers. He just wants to give freedom to the next generation of writers. Now, there's also a number of students who explored this poem beyond the advice limited to poetry. One student points to the quote that says, with only this condition, of course, you have to improve upon the blank page. and says that as long as you can start filling the empty page, you've already done a good job for poetry. Even just starting something is the hardest battle. Another says that the message that is crucial to understand is that doing the same thing as everyone isn't unique nor true to yourself. Another writes that I feel like this shows you can do anything with your life and accomplish anything no matter what. In addition, another quote is to go on believing that only one road is right and that this shows the reader that there are multiple paths in life you can take and that there's not only one correct path. One student points to the quote that too much blood has run under the bridge. And they say that, I believe that since he later mentions that people think only to take one path, he believes that the poet's true words words that they want to say, are covered up because they're afraid of being the one to take a different path. This could represent the blood in the metaphor. Poets should not be scared to say what they want, no matter what it is. One thing, of course, that I always enjoy in these analyses is when students explore structure, and quite a few did here. One notes that having five lines in the first stanza and only one in the second shows that everything really is permitted, as the poem says. One student writes that the author made the second stanza only one line to emphasize that, quote, in poetry, everything is permitted. And by giving it its own stanza, it allows the listener to focus on it more. Along this line, a student writes that poems give us freedoms to express things how we want them to. For example, this poem here uses incomplete lines that mostly stand on their own to convey the main idea. A slightly longer response, but I think really thoughtful, is by a student that writes that, Sentences are broken up into different lines and stanzas to make the audience uncertain of what is next. In the first stanza, the speaker starts talking about how there are many ways to write poetry, and that the reader should not go on believing that only one road is right. This part of the sentence is broken up into two lines, and makes the audience not know what they should be believing in. Then, the sentence continues and explains that poetry can be written in numerous styles. The pause created between those two lines gives a moment of suspense, that is then later filled in. These broken up lines are mentioned by another student pretty well when they write that the author uses a style that breaks up something that could have been one sentence in order to show his point how poems have few limits. There are two capitals showing that this whole poem was two sentences broken up into three stanzas. Write as you will in whatever style you like. In this poem, the author says this, explaining that poetry is suggestive, which also shows how he turned his prose of two sentences into poetry by using stanzas. Another statement related to poetic structures is by a student who says that it's a common claim that poems need to rhyme. However, Para didn't use rhyming in his work, showing that being poetic doesn't mean you need to rhyme. Para also shows that punctuation can be imperfect. For instance, in the last stanza, there should be a comma. And the student's right. There are spaces for pauses that maybe should be punctuated here. The grammar is limited 
to having the basics. We have a couple capital letters and we have some periods and that's largely it. Now, the statement about blood running under the bridge caught a lot of students' attention. They really wanted to explore that idea. One writes that the blood symbolizes many things. There is already enough content in poetry. The listener has the freedom and ability to write as they please. Another writes that these lines in the stanza are not meant to be taken literally, because blood doesn't actually run under the bridge, but water does. What the poet actually means is there are so many poets that write in different styles. So there's not just one type of poem, but millions of different poetic styles. Another says that the poem overall conveys the importance of diversity in poetry. Quote, in poetry, everything is permitted, so young poets and writers shouldn't feel forced to write in a specific structure or about a particular topic just because that's the type of poetry they're exposed to. Young writers should be allowed to explore various formats and write about subjects they choose, but most importantly, they should be able to hear diverse writing. Parr also states, too much blood has run under the bridge for, for everyone to think only one way of writing is acceptable. By using this hyperbole, Para emphasizes the sacrifices previous writers have made for us to have the freedom to explore writing without limits. Of this line, another student writes that the connection is unusual, since what Para is trying to give is advice for young poetry writers. However, Para speaks of sacrifice in making this thought. It shows that the listener must sacrifice a lot to continue to believe in the rules. Now, students also took this line of blood under the bridge and connected it to the broader world well beyond poetry one writes that the poetic freedom that is referenced in this poem is based on the idea that there has been too much blood to believe that only one road is right which may mean to say that too much has happened in the world for poets to be oppressed by rules of writing the student says that nikanor para's poem young poets expresses the idea that our history should not limit our actions and thoughts in the present when the speaker talks about how too much blood has run under the bridge in stanza one, the use of the word blood can be associated with humans' war-torn history. They go on to say that history should have no effect on anyone's person's potential to achieve something. This point is demonstrated in stanza three, though the idea that every single person is a blank page that has potential to be something great, a masterpiece that transcends our past and looks into the future instead, and that is how you improve the blank page. Another final response that is similarly extended, because I think there's a lot of good stuff here, says that it appears that Para may be hinting towards some more serious matters with his words, stating that he clearly feels that too much blood has run under the bridge for people to continue to hold the unchanging belief that only one road is right. This clearly implies far more than just different literary styles when writing poetry, as it appears to be a reflection on human intolerance on a substantially wider scale. Para is clearly stating that enough violence has been committed for humans to continue to remain steadfast to the notion that only their path in life is the correct one for all others to take, and that the paths that other individuals have chosen to take are equally valid options as well. There's a lot of really good stuff here. I enjoy all of these explorations. A lot of different quotations were explored, which is great because this is a short poem. So we need to be able to explore a number of itty-bitty things and make big ideas out of them, and sometimes little ideas, intimate ideas, and I think we've done all of that here. Our next poem is What I Didn't Know Before by Ada Limon. Unlike those we had read this year, this poem begins before the first line. While it is generally a good idea to start a poem with its title, and generally to consider the title again when you finish, this poem really demands that you include the title at the beginning of the poem, 
as the first line completes a sentence beginning in the title. It is read by Sidney Scheidemann this time, one of my former students, an occasional Choral Academy of Science substitute, and an all-around lovely, talented human being. To ease clarity, she begins the poem with the title. I think there's a lot to love in this poem, which is fairly brief at just 14 lines. It offers a nice surprise in the middle of line 9, and maybe there are two surprises, actually. One is the sudden shift in topic, with the second being the almost immediate shift into a memory that is presented as momentous and specific, even if the details seem quite ordinary. And I adore that last line. The poem actually reminds me of another of Lumon's poems, titled How to Triumph Like a Girl. It was included a couple years ago in episode 56 of this podcast. My daughter actually read it for us. Oh, and this poem has one of my favorite words ever, liminal. This word describes a space between spaces, when you are in two spaces, but not in either fully. Doorways are liminal spaces, and windows can be, if you aren't entirely sure you are ready to commit to jumping out of one. I enjoy this word so much in part because it isn't all that common, but, and this is more important, it is highly specific. There isn't a single word that captures this specific idea better. The word can also be applied figuratively. Sometimes our relationships with our friends are a bit liminal, when we are still so sure we want to be around them, but know that it would be healthier not to be. That place where you just can't quite commit to one or the other. That's a liminal space. Growing up, you would encounter many of them. Plus, if you can use this word accurately, say, on an essay, you'll impress your teachers, which is always a delight. Now, I've never had students repeat a secret passphrase during an academic year, but we are going to do so this time. In Letter to the Person Who Carved His Initials into the Oldest Living Longleaf Pine in North America by Matthew Olsman, I ask that you use the phrase, the listener, to describe the person the speaker is talking to. We once again have a poem where our speaker is talking to someone specific. So once again, I would like you to use this poetic phrase in your response. Keep in mind, though, that the listener is not you, whoever is listening to this podcast. It is the person the speaker within the poem is talking to. For our writing task, we will again return to a focus we've considered before, sentence variety. Last time we wrote with sense variety in mind, we were trying to avoid repeating the same opening words in our sentences. This time, our focus is on the overall construction of our sentences. This week, you need to write two specific types of sentences. The first is called a telegraphic sentence, which is a sentence that contains five words or fewer. The other type of sentence is a complex sentence. We have practiced these in class quite a bit, so I will not be providing an additional explanation here, but you are free to look one up. Here is What I Didn't Know Before by Ada Limon, read by Sidney Scheidemann. What I Didn't Know Before by Ada Limon. What I didn't know before was how horses simply give birth to other horses. Not a baby by any means, not a creature of liminal spaces, but a four-legged beast, hell-bent on walking, scrambling after the mother. A horse gives way to another horse, and then suddenly there are two horses, just like that. That's how I loved you. You, off the long train from Red Bank, carrying a coffee as big as your arm, a bag with two computers swinging in it, unwieldingly at your side. I remember we broke into laughter when we saw each other. What was between us wasn't a fragile thing to be coddled or cooed over. It came out fully formed, ready to run. 
A paragraph responding to this prompt is due on the Friday that ends this week, and your two replies to other students are due the Wednesday after. Students, be sure to use the phrase, the listener, to refer to the person the speaker is talking to. For our writing task, write at least one telegraphic sentence of five words or fewer, and write at least one complex sentence. Don't forget to make use of our other previous writing tasks as well. A strong analytical paragraph requires a quality claim. Starting with a tag, a how, and a what will make it that more likely. Using the author's last name by itself, if you want, especially if you're talking about the structure of the poem, it's a great idea. There is again a speaker here, and that is the eye of the poem. Varied sentence types are not the only way of creating variety. Mix up the beginnings of your sentences. Also, almost every single sentence of this poem continues from one line to the next, so you may need to use those forward slashes. Now that I think about it, I wonder why only two sentences end on the lines they begin on. That's interesting. Anyway, don't make the mistake of using the double forward slash, though. There is only one stanza here. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, want to provide a reading, or would like the class to direct their eyes toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 75 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, you discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.